We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When I look at Notre Dame's ability to compete for a championship, the first thing you have to look at is, in my opinion, does this team, does this program have the ability to acquire the talent needed to win? Here's what I mean by that. I've said for years, the thing that not enough people focus on when it comes to Nick Saban and the job he did at Alabama is they don't give enough credit for how well coached those teams were in a lot of years. Oh, Nick Saban always had the best players. Nick Saban did not have the best roster in college football in 2017. Didn't. They had the best team because they won a national championship. This year, right now, they did not have one of the seven or eight best rosters in college football, in my opinion. But they were one of the four best teams because they made the playoff. I, I mean, I would say, hey, I, I think Florida State should have got in, but that only drops Bama to five. They beat Georgia head-to-head. There were some years where you look at it and say, boy, I, I don't know if that team had more talent than that team, but they got the job done. There was a couple of years they beat Georgia where I thought Georgia had better players, but they were coached better. Now, that doesn't mean that Nick Saban took a bunch of mediocre talents and turned them into elite players. That's not true either. What he did was took really good football players and at times elite football players and turned them into an elite team. If you go look at the NFL, there's a there's a long period of time where Bama had a lot of first round draft picks that didn't play anywhere close to like first round draft picks. And so, you know, are these guys bust? No, you overdrafted them because you didn't buy in. You didn't accept the fact that maybe these guys aren't elite players, but it's a lot of really good players that are coached exceptionally well by one of the greatest minds to ever do this ever, and you kind of overinflated their them a little bit. And so to me, they were coached at an elite level. However, Nick Saban also was elite at acquiring talent. And it's not just about five stars because there were some guys that turned into great players that weren't five stars. Kirby Smart's doing that a little bit at Alabama. I mean, Lad McConkey, who was he? Who was Jordan Davis winning a top 300 player coming out of high school? Yes, they're getting elite players at the high school level, but they're also getting a lot of guys that develop into elite players at the college level. Talent acquisition is important. You can't win championships without great coaching and development. 
not consistently, you also can't win championships without really talented teams. I've argued this about Michigan. Michigan did not have an elite talented team this year, but they had a really good talented team everywhere. They, maybe they lacked a lot of elite first round players, but they had a lot of guys that are going to be playing in the NFL in some capacity. And to me, combine that with what we saw from a player development standpoint, and we're seeing this, we're having the same conversation. Dabo Swinney was great at, he was great at talent acquisition. He's also a very good football coach. And so the coaching part, that remains to be seen. We got to see more of that. But what I believe is that this, this staff has shown that it can acquire talent at a top five rate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know that the current class in 2024 is not ranked as a top five class. I'm just going to tell you guys what I've been saying for months. I will. There are not five recruiting classes. I don't care about rankings and point systems and all that. I'm talking about look at the film, look at the impact talent, look at the potential, look at the balance, look at meeting needs, look at filling voids. Where does your roster need to get better? Are you meeting those needs there? There are not five teams in college football, in my view, that recruited classes that are better than Notre Dame's, in my opinion. Is LSU going to be ranked higher? Yeah, they're going to sign 30 kids. Notre Dame's only going to sign 23. Their points are higher. Points per player, not as high. And so those are the things that I look at and say, the talent acquisition is outstanding. It is. And, and what they've done the last two years, especially, is they've shown that they can do it at the high school level, and they've shown that they can do it at the college level. And so when you look at the 2024 team, there are going to be newcomers. So like, that's what was kind of fun about that previous conversation. I'm going to bring it up again. Look at all that returning talent coming back. And if you're someone who is obsessed with the recruiting rankings, I'm going to go through this list. Jordan Patel, four-star, Howard Cross, four-star, Riley Mills, four-star, Xavier Watts was not a three-star. He's an All-American. Benjamin Morrison was not a four-star when he committed to Notre Dame. He's an All-American. Josh Burnham, four-star. Junior Chilamaka, four-star. Gabriel Rubio, four-star. Jalen Sneed, five-star. Drake Bowen, four-star. Jaden Mickey, four-star. Christian Gray, four-star, top 100 player. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, if you're someone who obsesses over recruiting rankings, that's also there. And so there's a lot to work with there, a lot of talent to work with, but you're not only relying on what's coming back. Notre Dame has also gone out and tried to make themselves better on the recruiting trail from a high school standpoint, but I think they also upped their game in the portal this year too. They only got three portal guys last year, 
I, I, I believe that they did. Um, so it would have been it would have been Thomas Harper. It was Javante Jean Baptiste and Antonio Carter, right? As far as like scholarship guys, I know like they got Cole Aubrey and they had the, the another D lineman they got from from Princeton or Penn. They got Cole Ant, Cole Aubrey from Princeton. They got an, I think another D lineman from Penn, but they were both walk on guys. Uh, but I think it was three. Am I missing somebody from last year? Javante, Thomas Harper, and Antonio Carter. I think that's it. This year they've only got three as well. But I would argue I don't know if they're going to play as well at Notre Dame. But coming in, you could argue that they're better. I believe R.J. Oban's film, to me, his production and film was better at Duke than what Javante's was at Ohio State. That doesn't mean he's going to be as good as what Javante was at Notre Dame because Javante was really good at Notre Dame. But I didn't see that. I didn't see Javante's season coming. I thought Javante could add six or seven tackles for loss, three to four sacks, and you know be a nice rotation player. He was a difference maker. Ten-plus tackles for loss, five sacks, lots of hurries. Uh, impact play in big moments. Those are all things that are are part of of what made this defense good. Can RJ match that? I don't know, but I do know coming in, he's got a chance to be. Uh, he 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 shows the potential to be every bit as good, at least as a pass rusher as Javante was. You know, Ryan and I somewhat debate Jordan Clark. He thinks Jordan Clark is better than Thomas Harper. I think Jordan Clark is just slightly below Thomas Harper. But the reality is he's in that same sphere as Thomas Harper. And Thomas Harper was a pretty good football player for Notre Dame this year. Uh, and then you look at Rod Hurd versus Antonio Carter. I mean, to me, that one's not even close. I mean, Antonio was a kid that we liked in talent-wise, but there was a lot of potential projection. Would he need a year to develop to get used to this level? And obviously he didn't He didn't develop the way that they'd hoped he'd develop. He just, from talking to people, he just, he just couldn't figure out the mental part of playing safety. It's just a lot more than playing corner. The way that Northwestern uses Rod Hurd is much more in line with kind of how Notre Dame is going to use him as a safety. It's a much smoother transition. I talked about this yesterday with the Notre Dame uh, portal kids uh, on offense where just the scheme transition for like Riley Leonard is going to be kind of smooth. And same thing with Rod Hurd. If you watch Notre Dame games this year, DJ Brown spent a lot of time at the second level, a lot of time because Notre Dame was, was more often than not was in a single high look. And and so DJ came down a lot. Now there's times where DJ was deep and all that, and then Rod Hurd's gonna have to do that. But a lot of times he was coming downhill, you know, jumping up underneath routes right in the middle, like just robbing the middle coverage, coming down in the alleys. He's a, a force player, support player. You know, you watch the bowl game. I think the first drive of the game, DJ Brown's basically lined up next to JD Bertrand like three or four times in the first half. I should say that game. Uh, not these playing linebackers, just they had the way they bumped their, their their linebackers up to come off the edge and things, and he comes down and replaces them, not post-snap, but pre-snap. So the transition is going to be, to me, pretty easy for him, in my opinion. And and so and and just the athleticism is greater than what we saw, um, you know, from uh, what was Ramon Henderson, or I mean, DJ Brown, his instincts for playing football are significantly greater than Ramon Henderson. Now Ramon had a lot of vertical speed and length and all that. He just wasn't a he just wasn't a football player. So to me, I think you've you've upgraded your portal acquisitions. You literally recruited the three same positions, but I think the overall just coming in, the experience, the production, the level of play is significantly greater than what it was coming in. If if all RJ Oban does and all Jordan Clark does 
is just repeat what we saw from the two portal kids at their positions last year. That's a home run. Notre Dame hit a home run with Javante Jean-Baptiste and Thomas Harper last year, especially Javante. If you can match that, that's great. Where I think this has a chance to be even better is I think Rod Hurd is a, is a much more certain thing and a much more uh, technical player than what Antonio Carter was. Antonio was always about projection and potential. Rod comes in as a guy that's, what, had 190 tackles in his career, had 82 tackles this year. I mean, I, I pointed this out the other day. Look, look at the numbers that Rod Hurd had uh, on, on the Northwestern defense this season, and, and that was a, a pretty scrappy defense this season. But this – let me go to tackles here real quick. So Rod Hurd this year finished second on the Northwestern defense with 54 solo tackles. He finished one tackle behind their Will linebacker. He finished with eight more tackles than their Mike linebacker. His 54 solo tackles would have led Notre Dame by 13. J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser tied for the Notre Dame team lead with 41 solo tackles. Rod Hurd had 54. In the chat, somebody was talking about how Notre Dame has to tackle better in space next year. I completely agree with you. We can talk about the Louisville game, the Ohio State game. We talked about lots of situations last year. I think overall the tackling was better. But it needs it can still get better to me. And I, I spoke with somebody about this the other day, somebody whose opinion I, I really trust. And I said, look, here's my thought. This kid's probably your best tack, secondary tackler the second he steps foot on campus. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got he, certainly he can be that right now. Now, they think other guys can be better. Xavier became a much better tackler as the season went on and things along those lines. But this kid can this kid is a really good tackler. He can hit you. He's good in space. He's a pretty smooth athlete, which helps with that as well. He's smart, which helps with that as well, and he's very experienced. So the more I've watched Rod Hurd, the more I like his fit at safety. When he initially, when he initially was when I heard they were going to get him, I did not like it because I thought it was going to be kind of another nickel position. And I've seen some film of him actually playing safety. I watched, then I watched the film and saw that his what he did at nickel was a way different than what Notre Dame did at nickel, and it was a lot like what they would ask at safety. So it's one of those ones where, when you understand where he's going to play, you watch more and more film. It's a it's a pickup I like a lot, and I think he's got a chance to really solidify it. And and I'll be honest, with Hurd and Carter, plus you're bringing back Benjamin Morrison, Xavier Watts, Christian Gray, Jaden Mickey. You've got Clarence Lewis as of now set to come back. And I mean, as of now, I mean, who knows what happens after the spring, but he's he's back in school. He's going to be part of the team in the spring. And I, I think he could really develop into a important role. The arrival of, you know, Don Schuler getting, you know, come, being a year older, I think he's got a chance to do some things. When you throw Jordan Clark in at nickel and you throw Rod Hurd at safety, whether he's starting beside Xavier Watts or he's the number three, either way, him and Don Schuler are going to be rotating. If a Don can be what I hope he is, and Rod can make a smooth transition to Notre Dame. I think this second, I think this secondary has a chance to be even better than it was last year. And that's a that's a bit of a oh boy. I was on use a word that I don't think is inappropriate for a show that I know we have young children watching and 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 ladies watching, but that's a that's a pretty out there thing to say when you consider how good the secondary is was this past season, but I believe it. I think if, again, these are ifs, if Adon makes a really nice year two jump, and if Rod Hurd is the player 
I think he can be at safety, then I believe this secondary will be better because I think Benjamin Morrison is going to be better. I, I, I don't know that Xavier's production is going to be what it was this year because I don't know that people are going to throw as much at him. I've pointed this out before. Todd Hart, Todd Light was an All-American in 88. Uh, eight interceptions the next year in 89, also an All-American, only had two interceptions. Did Todd Light forget how to catch? No. Did he? Was he not as good in coverage? No. He. I mean, it, that's not the issue. He was every bit as good. Teams just didn't throw at him anymore, right? You may see that with Xavier a little bit. And so – when I when I look at that, I think his his play at least is here if it doesn't get better. And when when Xavier being better isn't so much about the interceptions and the pass breakups, that, that may be it, but it's going to be more about the snap after snap consistency. If if he can be a more consistent, and that's partly why Xavier's coming back, is he knows he can be better snap after snap after snap after snap. If you want to ask Xavier Watts about what's the I don't know this. This is this is knowing him. I think just like I do, and, and knowing how he was raised, I'll bet you if you said, "Hey Xavier, what are the two plays you're going to remember most from the 2023 season?" He'll probably mention one of the interceptions against maybe against USC, maybe his scoring his first touchdown. But I'll bet you the other play he was he'll talk about is the missed tackle he had against Ohio State on that 60 yard touchdown run. I don't care that there was a hold on that play. Xavier had a chance to, to make that play, and he didn't make it. And I promise you that that's something that fueled him going forward, and that's something that was going to factor in, even if it's subconsciously, to why he's coming back, because he knows there's plays out there for him to still make, which is nuts to think about because of how good he was this year. But he can be even better. That's the exciting part. He can be better. And then, of course, Christian Gray, who I think has got a chance to be a star. Uh, Jaden Mickey is a kid that can do a lot of different things for you. And I put this on the board the other day. I was talking to somebody uh, inside the program the other day and I, I say, hey, are you going to move this guy? Are you going to go recruit this guy? Like, why aren't you Why aren't you going to recruit this guy? Why are you backing off this player who you think is a slot? And one of the reasons was we really like Micah Bell's potential there. Really like Micah's potential there. So apparently Micah was really raw like we anticipated. But what I was told is kind of the last month of the season, he started to kind of figure some things out. And I was told his bowl prep was really good. And then, of course, he played pretty well when he got in the game, late in the game, when, when they were blowing him out. So there's a thought process. Like, like Jordan Clark is going to kind of be that bridge year, but there's a chance that Micah could eventually be that number two nickel, which means he'll play. And then next year, if he has the growth that we're hoping he has, that next year when Jordan Clark moves on after 24, that they don't got to go back to the portal again for a nickel because they think Micah can be that guy, uh, which is where things are right now. So, you know, that's another guy that you look at and say, you know, he's someone who can maybe make an impact. That's the fastest kid on your football team by far for next season. So there's a lot to be excited about, about what the secondary can, secondary can be. And I didn't even bring up yet Leonard Moore, Carson Hobbs, Bronte Johnson, Kennedy Erlacher, Tabron Benny Powell. So those are other guys that you know could potentially make an impact. Leonard Moore's a guy that I've kind of got my eye on for maybe he could come in and, and say, hey, man, like this guy emerged as your number two boundary corner like as a freshman. You know, may, maybe he moves to the field at, at times, and maybe he's in the rotation there. And then when Benjamin moves on after 2024 and goes to the first round of the NFL draft, you know, maybe Christian Gray slides into the boundary and Leonard Moore and Jaden Mickey handle the field. Maybe they leave Christian to the field and Leonard Moore slides into the boundary. There's a lot of different options, but Leonard Moore's a guy that if he's healthy and has a good offseason, I could see Leonard Moore being someone 
that could come into Notre Dame. And maybe we, we look at the depth chart and we think to ourselves, you know, hey, there's really not a spot for an incoming freshman cornerback to really break into the rotation. But Leonard Moore says, well, I don't, I don't need there to be a spot. I, I'm, I'm going to be that guy anyway. I'm going to force myself onto it. I, I think he's got a chance to be that. He won't be an early enrollee, but neither was Benjamin Morrison. So I don't think that matters a whole lot to me. If you've got the ability, you have the ability. Uh, Bronte Johnson could potentially be a guy that, that works his way in. I, I think Bronte might need a year. He's come, he's overcoming the shoulder injury. I mean, you guys watched on signing day, he had his arm in a sling. So he's got to overcome that. But, you know, he's a guy that's long and fast and instinctive, and he's got a lot of talent. Can he make an impact as a freshman? I don't know the answer to that. But if he can, that you start getting excited about that because Bronte, talent-wise, has as much raw God-given ability as anybody on the, on the roster at safety. He just is going to need time because he, you know, he's pretty raw, wasn't coached incredibly well in high school. I mean, no disrespect to his high school coaching staff, but they had him doing everything. It was hard to, like, when I, sometimes not being coached well, what I mean is like, it's the position you're going to play. You weren't necessarily coached well. Sometimes it's because you don't have good coaching. Sometimes it's because you had to do so many different things for your high school team. It was hard for you to really focus on learning all the techniques, technique you're need at that position. So it's not always an insult to say that he wasn't coached well for what Notre Dame's going to ask him to do at safety. But here's the thing I kind of get excited about. And here's why I think this 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 team could be really good because you already we already know that Notre Dame has one has one of, if not the best corners coach in college football, Mike Mick. But one thing about Chris O'Leary is he has proven himself to be a pretty darn good safeties coach. Recruiting needs to get better. It's off to a great start in 2025. Both of those kids are going to be on campus this weekend, which you would know if you were on the Irish Breakdown message board. But when you look at when you look at the safety position and you think about how he's developed guys either don't, aren't good football players like Ramon Henderson or aren't great athletes like DJ Brown, you look at him helping Xavier Watts turn into an All-American, you know, things he did with Kyle Hamilton in 21. He's done a pretty good job as a coach. This year, however, He's going to really prove himself as either just a, a good safeties coach or an elite safeties coach. Because if he is an elite safeties coach, or not even elite, let's just say he's a top 10 safeties coach as far as just coaching the position on a day to day basis, take recruiting out of the equation. I'm talking about coaching development. If, if you think about what he did with DJ Brown and Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts, and then you give him athletes like a Don Schuler. Ben Minnick, Bronte Johnson, and then newcomer like Rod Hurd to go with Xavier for another year, he's going to have more talent to work with this year. They're just going to be a lot younger. And, and that's the interesting thing is, my boy, if this guy is the coach we think he is, the position coach we think he is, that's where the new players at safety and then the up-and-coming players can end up being really, really good for Notre Dame. But, but secondary is not the only place where you've got some freshmen that I think could have an impact. We'll talk about R.J. Open up front. Uh, R.J. Open is a very intriguing player for me. Uh, there's some things he does on film that I really like. There's some things he does on film where I ask myself, is, it, is he good enough or is that how he's used? And so 
to me, that's kind of a that's a question that I have. I don't know that RJ Oban can can play the run the way that Javante Jean Baptiste did because we just don't see him do it. Not that he's not good at it, we just don't see him really do it. He wasn't used as a force player in the same way that Javante and Nana were used as force players in Notre Dame. He's going to have to do, prove that he can do that. But here's the thing: I believe that a a, a one-two punch of of R.J. Oban and Josh Burnham has a chance to be as good, if not better, than last year's big defensive end position. That's a tall task because it was, again, 16 tackles for loss, eight sacks, really good clutch performance from both Nana, especially Javante. There's a lot of – there's some big shoes to fill. But you went out and beat Florida State for a guy that they wanted in R.J. Oban. You went out and got a guy that that has a lot of production. Ryan has talked about how his impression, his thought was that RJ was going to go pro. Forget being a six-year guy at Notre Dame. He was going to go pro. So you bring that guy in now to Notre Dame. He gives you a veteran presence. What what RJ Open does for Notre Dame is he helps solidify the solidify the floor of that defensive end position. The floor is now okay. You're going to be at least here. Now, if RJ can kind of build his game a little bit and maybe even be a little bit more well-rounded than he was at Duke, re- just do what you did as a pass rusher at Duke. I don't care that you get any better in that regard. Just do what you do. But build your run game production and performance higher. That's a plus. That helps raise the, the floor. Then now, now it comes into what's Josh Burnham going to be when you get into that? Can he raise his level of play? That's going to determine just how good it is. But at least getting K- RJ helped you kind of stabilize things a little bit at that big end position to where either he starts and Josh is kind of that rotation guy coming in or Josh is that dude at, at big end. Or they're just both so good that it's kind of like 1A, 1B. That that would actually, to me, be ideal. And then that way you can kind of keep the reps down because I just have this vision of RJ coming to Notre Dame and, and being everything Javante was and Josh Burnham having that breakout year, and you say, boy, we got to use both of these guys. And so there's situations in nickel where they're both on the field, but then the other part is maybe Josh has like 10 fewer snaps than what your normal starting Viper would have or maybe 15 fewer snaps going into the fourth quarter than what he would have if he was just the guy there. And I think of like a fresh RJ Oban and a fresh Josh Burnham in the fourth quarter against a 300-pound slow-footed tackle with the game on the line who has not had any breathers and those guys have split reps so they're fresh and how they're able to put a game away because that's something that made the 18 and 19 defensive lines so good is because in 18 and 19 you were taking one NFL player off the board or off the field and putting another NFL player on, on the field so when Khalid would come out he, he you're putting Adi, Adi Tagumba Ogandiji on there who's an NFL draft pick they were drafted in the same round when you take Julian Aguara off the field, you were putting in um, uh, Dalen Hayes, who was an NFL player. And so your ability to kind of put those those guys on the field together allowed them to be pretty fresh. And and no matter who you had on the field, you had a difference maker on the field. And if, if Notre Dame can have that next year, well, that'd be, that'd be really big. That'd be really big for this defense next season. But it's going to come down to, you know, can Josh become that player? Can RJ become that kind of player? And can you keep the, 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 the you know, the snaps down enough to where those guys can go be, 
pro- provide that level of production. I'm excited to see what they what they can do. I really am. But landing RJ made me feel a lot more comfortable that at the very least there's going to be a, a a platform here that serves as the floor that would be higher if you were just banking on the high ceiling, lower floor, younger players to work in with Josh. So I feel really good about that. A couple freshmen. I think there's I think there's a couple freshmen that have a chance to play. Speaking of big end, you could argue if Josh Burnham's not the most naturally talented defensive end you have, then it's Bryce Young. It's to me one of those two guys is going to be your most gifted defensive lineman. Just raw God-given ability. Bubakar is going to be in that conversation as well. But Bryce Young comes in. He's 6'5, he's 250. You know, we heard about the performance he had at the at the All-American Bowl. He's he's got tremendously long arms. He's twitchy. And the other thing is, boy, he is a kid that still has work to do as a te- as a technical player. He made a big jump in 2023, but his dad, I think his dad has talked about this. Yeah, there's a lot of room for him to grow still as a player. I could see Bryce coming in and maybe being a little too raw to play a ton, but I could also see Bryce coming in. And I guess I'm kind of knocking on wood, hoping this happens where it's like, you know, maybe we, we didn't want to play him a ton. Maybe you want it because coaches always want a red shirt. They always want to get more value. They always want to have a guy that be a fifth year guy. And, and cause then, you know, again, you're getting that, that one extra year of development for a guy. They always want that. But Bryce just may say, sorry, coach. And not with verbal, but just how he plays. Sorry, coach. I know you wanted to red shirt me, but I'm, I'm too good. I'm too good to play. Not to play, excuse me, and and again, not with words, but just how you how you play. So Bryce Young is a guy that could come in. He will be in an early enrollee, I believe. Let me just pull up this early enrollee list here real quick. Uh, Bryce will be an early enrollee. So will Cole Mullen. So will Logan Thomas. So will Sean Savoyano. I think at least two of those guys will have a chance to play. Sean may have a chance to play this year just because he's so much bigger than everybody else. And you may just say, "Hey, boy, we really need that size." He's a guy that I would I would like to redshirt him. I would like to redshirt Logan Thomas. I would like to redshirt Cole Mullins. My that would be my ideal. With Bryce Young, the reality is the odds of him, if Bryce is who we think he is, he's not going to be at Notre Dame for five years. He may only be at Notre Dame for three. So get the most out of it. I, I would plan on playing him. And and if he shows you any proficiency at all, I'd find a role for him, whether it's as a pass rusher, a you know, five to ten snap per game rotation guy early in the season, you know, keep him in and on non-threatening downs, you know, maybe first and second down. Maybe he grows into a, a, a pass rushing role, whatever the case may be. He's a guy that I would try to find a way to get on the field some way, shape, form, or fashion. I think I think Bryce Young has a chance to be a star at Notre Dame someday. And, and, and if he can prove himself comfortable enough and capable enough to help out as a freshman, I, I'd do it. I would, I would certainly give them that opportunity. And then if you're playing like Northern Illinois and Miami of Ohio, if you're able to jump out on those teams early – I would get him in very early, not put him in in mop-up duty, but just put him in as part of the rotation and, and give him some of that time. That's what I'd like to see them do with Bryce. And then another guy that just, I mean, 99% of linebackers in the country have no shot at coming in and challenging Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury and Jalen's need for playing time. But there's a couple, and one of them has come to Notre Dame this spring. That's King. He's actually already at Notre Dame. That's Kingston Viliyama Asa. I, mean, I, I don't want to say that we haven't already said already, guys. He's got the size to play as a freshman. He's got the instincts to play as a freshman. He's got the football IQ to play as a freshman. He's got the work ethic to play as a freshman. He's got the athleticism to play as a freshman. The only way he doesn't play as a freshman is obviously injuries one, but it's just those other guys are just so good. But even then, I think you almost have to find a role for him. I mean, I look at you know Jack playing like Rover Will 
I see Jalen Sneed bling like a will pass rusher. I see, you know, obviously Jaden Osbury can play will, can play some Mike. I could see a situation where even if Drake Bowen is everything we think he can be, I still like to see a rotation. I've said this before. I, I like linebacker rotations. There's no reason you can't get Kingston in every fourth series or so. And 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 just to keep Drake fresh, take some of that burden off of him. And then if if Kingston ends up being good enough to where he has to play, there's there's no I mean, it's it's certainly possible with their both of their skill sets that Drake and Kingston can play together. It certainly can play together if they're your two best guys. So I'm very much excited to see what Kingston can do. You know, obviously the the concern for him is I'm very I, I'm I'm curious to see how Lauren Landau handles him because Kingston's already a, a pretty thick kid. I want to make sure that they focus on explosiveness more so than like girth. You know, make sure that he doesn't get stiff. Make sure he doesn't put on too much weight early on, and keep that quickness. That's something I'd like to see. But I just have a hard time thinking about this season going on and Kingston Villamahasa not playing in some capacity. I, at the very least, I think he's a special team starter like day one. At the very least, I think he'll also have a chance to be a to, to play at linebacker. I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say, oh, he's definitely going to start at some point in time as a freshman. I mean, it wouldn't shock me especially if there's an injury. My hope is that he just doesn't start because that means the older players step up and that makes you even better because we know what he can be. So I think he's another freshman. I think there's there's more opportunity for freshmen to play at Notre Dame this year than, than on offense for a lot of reasons. But part of it is just because you have some big-time players uh, coming in. I mean, I think you know, when you look at like the, the offense – you know, Cam Williams will play, but your other two, your two of your other top three players are guys that are positions where redshirting is most more likely. Gerby at tackle, CJ at quarterback. You know, the, the odds of them playing, you know, CJ's at a position where you, you just don't rotate really guys. Where that's not true for Kingston. It's not true for Gerby. I mean, excuse me, for uh for Bryce Young, uh, those type of guys. So I think there's an opportunity there for those guys to kind of come in and play. And uh, you know, Kingston's a guy that I just I just have a hard time seeing him not play. I just, I just don't, I, I just don't see how that happens with what we've seen from him. And the other thing too for him is he's a kid that played against as tough a competition as you're going to find, and still, th- I mean, and thrived. And we saw him a lot more athletic this year, uh, year two being out of off the away from the injury. So I just, I just think there's a lot there with with Kingston, and I'm excited about what he can do. Just real quickly before we move on, just the questions and strengths, biggest question marks. You know, can can the first year starters make a smooth transition? That's a legitimate question. Um, one of the things that I look at, and it's it's kind of a it kind of ties into you know with Al Golden. Al Golden showed that if he has a if he has a talent a, a veteran football team, he can build a champ. He can build a championship caliber defense. We saw that this year. But for as much as we loved what Al Golden did, we can't deny the fact that he had a very experienced team. That it, this team won't be as experienced. Last year, Notre Dame had two sixth-year seniors, five fifth-year seniors, three true seniors, and one sophomore in the starting lineup. This year, you're going to have a sophomore and a junior, just a corner alone, uh, if not two juniors a corner alone. So right there, you're already going to have more non-seniors in your lineup. You know, your defensive line is going to be more experienced, but you're going to have a guy in, in Josh Burnham who could be starting as a true junior. You're going to have at least one sophomore starting at linebacker, most likely. You might have another junior starting at linebacker. You're going to have some some sophomores and some freshmen in the rotation that you didn't have last year. You're not going to be a young team by any stretch. But you're also just, especially at linebacker, 
You're just not going to be as experienced as you were last year. Can now Golden get the same level of production or even you know better play from a group that's a lot younger at certain spots, certain important spots? I, I think he can, but it's a we need to see him do it because in 2022, when everybody was kind of in their first year in his defense, it wasn't as good. Well, Drake Bowen's going to be in year two of the Al Golden defense, but he didn't play a whole lot. And so how, how does that impact it? Maybe it doesn't. And, and maybe they're even better. And, and maybe he does, a, you know, it, the whole, the problem in 2022 was everybody was in year one where now, even if Drake and Jaden and Jay and um, Kingston are, are still kind of young and learning, they've now got a Jack Kaiser who's been in the system now going into year three that can help bring them along in a way that Jack, JD and Maris did not have in 2022. So there's all things. It's a it's a different scenario, but again, it's it's when you you're in year two or year three of a system, you're still entering a lot of unknowns. It's not that I don't think he can do it. It's just we just need to see it. You know, will the run defense improve? That's a question mark. I, I think it can, but it's not a guarantee, especially with younger linebackers. If anything, I, I worry that it regresses because of the youth at the linebacker position. Can the defensive line take another step forward? That's a question mark. It's going to be very good. The baseline's pretty good, but if they want to play for a championship, I think it needs to be better than it was last season at certain spots, especially the Viper position. And, you know, the, the new look secondary, the talent, just the God-given talent across the board is going to be better this year. But will the level of play be better? Or even, I mean, even if it's just as good, they're going to be really good. But can it be better? Or does it take a little bit of a step back? Those are all questions. Strengths, great talent and depth. There's no doubt about it, especially up front. I talked about this earlier. You got guys like Devin Houston that are just battling just to get on the field. Three, four years ago, maybe even sooner, that kid's playing as a redshirt freshman, and it's a no-brainer because he's a talented kid. Devin is a very talented kid. It's just your older players are also very talented players. You know, so so the the depth of this team is is exceptional, in my opinion loads of depth that viper depth is not an issue at viper it's just can you play better depth is not an issue at defensive end you're just young at a lot of places depth is not an issue at linebacker it's not an issue at corner it's not an issue at safety it's just you're young and improving at certain spots this team has loads of depth lots of length lots of speed that's another one and for now you know the expectation is that there's going to be continuity in the coach from a coaching standpoint which is huge if they can definitely make sure that Al Golden and Chris O'Leary and Mike Mickens are all back, and as of right now, we anticipate it, but you know, NFL jobs are just starting to come open, and all three of those guys, plus Al Washington, uh, I meant to, I didn't mean to leave Al Washington out. I meant to include him. Al Washington's part of this as well because he did a great job this season. But if they can get out the two Al's, Washington, Golden, Mickens, and O'Leary all back next year, that's going to be huge for this defense because those three. Have those four have proven that they work really well together, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to look like in in uh, this season if they can keep it together. So those are the, the concerns. Those are the we'll, we'll t- and, and a lot of those things we're going to talk more about as we get into this to the off season. We'll dive into them even deeper and have some fun talking about it. But that's kind of where we are for now. I'm not going to do a full a full mailbag today. Just because I'm not going to do a mailbag today. Um, I'm, my voice is starting to go a little bit, so I apologize everybody, but. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go another hour. So I, I apologize that. So no mail back today, but I, I gave you a good solid couple hours here today. 
Uh, I had fun talking today. Lots of good conversation in the chat. I really appreciate y'all. Hey, if you're on the message board, we can continue this conversation and this, that way I don't have to talk. I'm going to go launch my uh, midweek mailbag on the board here when I'm done with the show. So you'll get a chance from the mailbag on the message board to, uh, to do that. Hey, in Archer, I feel good, man. I, I do. It's just, I did a three hour show yesterday. I did a three hour show today. I'm having staff meetings with my staff this week. I've been talking to people that are, we're getting a lot of work done in our house because of all the flooding and stuff. I've been having to deal with that stuff and talking to my wife. So I just have, I just have been talking a lot. And when you do the solo shows, it, it's, you know, just trying to start to, to wear, wear down a little bit, but, uh, and I just don't want to press it because I'm you know, going to have to do some more shows this week. So I'm just, because we didn't have a ton of questions, I think we only had like three or four starred and they would have started piling in. I just, I'm saying, you know what? Did a, had a fun show today. Let's uh, let, let me, let me get out of here and, and we can rock and roll. So, and then, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with more shows and all those type of things, but sign up for the message board folks. We're going to have a lot of conversation. I'm at the midweek mailbag going on over there. I'll answer all your questions. We got two Intel pieces up uh, right now. Ryan also had an Intel piece that I think he dropped last night about Notre Dame coaches on the road and some things we're hearing about how things went a little something on there on their, uh, you know, who we think their top quarterback is in the 26th class, who they went out and saw. It's a lot of good stuff going on over there. Also, hit that like button, folks. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. For the rest of my IB team, we appreciate you all very, very much. We will be back again tomorrow. I don't know if I'll be doing a show tomorrow because we're tomorrow is a moving day for us. We're having a lot of stuff moved out of our house because they're going to start uh, the demolition here soon to fix all the stuff that we had go wrong from those floods we had back in November. But, uh, um, and, oh, and by the way, starting in February, when we, when it really kicks in and I get kicked out of my office, I was able to find a house that we're, that we're going to be able to rent, uh, for that period of time. So I will be able to continue doing shows during the week. So we won't have to have that big six, six week fiasco. So that was really good. That was really good to hear. So we'll, we'll have that worked out as well. So anyway, everybody have an awesome day. Talk to you guys again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.